Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Today we have a very special interview episode with Callan Chi. Mostly we talk about anime and comics and the overlap of transmasculine and transfeminine experiences, but we also talk a little bit about dysphoria, so just a fair warning there. It's nothing too extreme, but it's worth being aware of going in. Also, I guess kind of spoilers for the anime slash manga Wandering Sun way later on towards the end of the episode. And also maybe spoilers for Persona 4? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to get out of your hair and let you get on with the rest of this episode, and then I will be back at the end with some plugs. All right. Well, I am here with Callan Chi. Hello. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, good. <laughs> so you are animator and an artist, generally. <laughs> you sent me an email a while back, which I read on the show, mm-hmm. and it stuck with me because you have like a cross-section of experiences that uh, are just unique to me, and I'm trying not to make it a thing where it's like, oh, it's so interesting because it's so different, but it, I guess that's what it is regardless. Um, but at, around the same time, I feel like you followed me on Twitter and I just recognized your name and saw <laughs> that uh, you graduated from CalArts. You were mm-hmm. an intern at Pixar and you're an animation assistant at Augenblick Studios. Yes. That's pretty amazing. At least for the next two weeks anyways. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh gosh, what's yeah. what's what's going on there? Oh no, it's just short contracts. <laughs> okay, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Well, my first question for you is, what's it like being on the inside of the conspiracy on the part of CalArts to ruin cartoons? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the CalArts style is spread like a virus, and it's just ruining everything. So I have a fun factoid about the CalArts style. Which is that it originally was meant to refer to the style of the Iron Giant film. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't quite actually remember who was the one who said that. Any Calarians would probably know better than I do. But um, yeah, it was like around the time when that movie came out, all the students that was like, <laughs> it was the Spider Verse of the time. So oh, um, yeah. people started to draw like that. And that was when the first, that was like when Calarian style first was used casually as a term. I know now it refers to that sort of gumball-y Steven Universe heart-bean-shaped look, and right. both of those examples aren't really colors anyways. So um, <laughs> I don't know. That shape's just been around since, like, the dawn of time, I would say, the dawn of cartoons. So Yeah. yeah. I, I find that entire discourse to be kind of silly because whenever there's something big like adventure time that blows up Mm -hmm. a lot of the cartoons that are on now were spawned by people who left adventure time to go and do their own thing so Mm -hmm. naturally there's like an extension of style but to my eyes they're all very different in very specific ways yeah i don't know anyway so i also (laughs) know (laughs) i also know that you um well, I guess I guess we'll start different place. You are a transmasculine person, is that correct? I don't know if that's how you would choose to identify yourself. It is the label I go by most conveniently. I guess the reason why I use it is because although I mostly identify as non-binary, okay, that part I think 
I want to accentuate, at least in this current part of my life, especially with my online presence, because I guess it's easy to have that get lost in the shuffle. And I guess that's like the part I want to be more visible. Yeah. That might not, I mean, I feel like it would always be somewhat true, but I feel like, say, if I were to transition medically, per se, uh, it might take a more of a backseat to how I would identify. Okay. That makes sense. So I know that you also have a film studies degree. I saw your Inktober stuff. (laughs) I mean, the film film degree kind of comes with the uh, animation degree. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I I have a BFA uh, in character animation specifically and took some film courses while I was at school. But I'm really, really nowhere near as informed about film as you are. I don't know. Uh, most of what looking through your Inktober sketches, a bunch of those I hadn't seen. Uh, a lot of them are like deep cuts. Like I haven't seen. Oh, the the Ozu that uh, you drew. Mm. I can't remember what it was called. Oh yeah, the um, Good Morning Ohio. Good Morning. That's yeah. the one. Yes. Uh, and there's several others that I hadn't seen. But what's your relationship with gender throughout your life? Like, how did you get where you are today mm-hmm. with your current identity? Identity. So the reason I guess I'm a little iffy about taking a trans masculine label at times is because I feel like I have a pretty like traditionally like feminine relationship with growing up. Um, I was never particularly much. I liked dressing up. I liked uh, playing with shoes or whatnot. Um, I wasn't like extremely feminine, but not like divergent to the point of like it being notable. Pretty much when I was young, the main thing was that there would be times where I'd be like a little bummed that I didn't really pass as a boy or or that like I couldn't have by, by choice or be a little confused why like children would self-segregate in, say, elementary school. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until puberty where I really started to like have some contention with my feeling of gender. Yeah. So how did that come to the point where you've identified it as something that needs addressing in some specific way? Um, Not until high school. And even then, I wasn't really aware that trans people existed at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I started puberty, it was like kind of just uncomfortable, but without a point of reference, we kind of just know that puberty is uncomfortable for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) my body what's going on but like it never occurred to me that like if you were to ask me now looking back if I had if given the option of like oh if like my puberty would go in a different direction would I have preferred that and I would want to say yes but I would be at least ambivalent about it not like oh definitely not right Mm -hmm. But I also had like a pretty fair dose of internalized misogyny. So I kind of just assumed like, oh, I just like don't like the way women look or they like either are ugly or are are forced to be beautiful to compensate for it. Just like horrible, like toxic messages about uh, what womanhood is. So like even like my own feelings about wanting to be like at least like a guy. I sort of blamed on <laughs> patriarchy and sexism more than I would have recognized as maybe gender dysphoria. Interesting. Yeah. And also because like culturally, 
a tomboy phase is kind of a thing. Whereas right. I wouldn't say, at least not that I know of, that there is one for, like, say, a, a more feminine boyhood. So Yes, there's there's definitely not an, a, a direct analog uh, for for assigned male at birth people. Mm-hmm. So I've been very curious generally as I've been questioning my own gender and going through my own transition, um, how my experience compares to the uh, trans masculine experience. So the video that I released uh, two weeks ago about transitioning was very explicitly about uh, my experience as a as a trans woman, but there were a lot of trans men in the comments saying that 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 it resonated with them in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say that's like a surprise in a in a in a big way. It's just that I I never want to make assumptions about mm-hmm. the overlap of experiences. So I'm curious for, from from your perspective, what are the overlaps versus the differences based on how trans people in general are depicted? Oh, and I mean, are you talking about like just personal experience with gender or just or like media depictions? Because that might be like two separate. Uh, whichever whichever one you feel uh, more more compelled to answer. Hmm. OK, well, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm sure you feel this way as well, but like I'm afraid to be the spokesperson for like, I guess, the other half of the trans experience. <laughs> but I say like, it's probably largely resonant, right? It's, I think like, when you boil it down, it's like, the desire to like, at least to be less of what you're assigned to be, and more of something else. So that part's kind of pretty much the same. Um, I liked actually what you brought up. I think it was like, the last podcast episode or somewhat or one of them that was recent, which is that femininity is kind of an outward expression, whereas what you gathered from a trans masculine perspective is more of like a hiding or like an invisibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how does that manifest for you? What does that feel like or look like? I guess for me, it is like a lot about, I guess, I mean, you could also say this about like any gendered experience, but in one part, it's like Patel's for being more like more masculine is to be less feminine, whereas like to be seen as more I like to be to kind of I guess pass as feminine is to just like add femininity, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's like outward signs. So like um, if you say like cut your hair or like find your chest or like distress in a way that kind of almost reduces you, you like androgyny sort of lends itself to being read as more masculine, I guess. But yeah, the only one I would say like maybe is, isn't as uh, immediate is say a voice. I think that's like where a lot of, a lot of people like sort of kind of clock, but it's not, it's not really that big of an issue for, trans masculine people who do take testosterone. Right. One of the uh, one, one of the things that I've read is that for uh, HRT for trans masculine people, it has generally the, the, there's the end results are 
more more towards passing than than uh for for trans feminine people in yeah. terms of like facial hair and dropping the voice yeah uh, the the inverse is not true of estrogen unfortunately mm-hmm. so you are uh the child of taiwanese immigrants yes that's yes i'm i'm very curious how all of this comes together with that i'm, I'm also curious <laughs> um <laughs> I and honestly, like my experience with it is that I kind of just don't bring it up. Are you out to them? Not really, but okay. my parents are pretty liberally minded, so that like maybe when the day I like I, I had a I had one of those like I cut my hair in the bathroom in high school at <laughs> night, and then I look. They didn't really it didn't shock them, I guess. Uh, they were like, "Oh, cool, you did that." So that, they took that pretty easily, um, and don't really mind how I dress for the most part. There are times when my mom is like, "Oh, be careful! You don't want to like cut your hair too much this certain way or dress this certain way, or else someone like might think." you're a boy but that, and like sometimes she would get like annoyed that like I would buy just sort of that sort of thing for myself I feel like they are aware of trans people but it's and Taiwan is actually pretty like progressive as far as this yeah. goes I don't know if you've listened to it but have you listened to the WNYC Nancy podcast no, it is based, so, like even they self describe it as like NPR but gay. You might like it. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um. And one of the co-hosts is Kathy too, who is a cis lesbian who is like also of Taiwanese descent. And a lot of her episodes deal with com- repeatedly coming out to her mom. And what's and while my mom is more like open minded than hers is. Even recently, I heard her having a discussion about how she she has a friend who has a gay son, and her friend is worried that <laughs> her son would like wouldn't be able to have a full life and feels bad about that. Oh no! But like my actually, it was my dad who who was like, oh, actually, or like my parents were talking about how actually it's it, there's actually a lot they can do now, like like gays can get married you can adopt children it's like it's not it's a lot more normalized now but it's still kind of hard for them to think in that way that they're that they're still pretty tied to like traditional ways of thinking sure do you how well acquainted are you with rupaul's drag race uh not not very uh i have watched some episodes over the years i've never mm-hmm. particularly liked it that's fine i only bring it up because there is there's one of the drag queens uh who goes by kimchi is korean american and i found her experience actually pretty similar to mine oh interesting which is that and there's actually an atlantic article that has an interview between the writer and someone else who discusses Kimchi's experience, which is that coming out really isn't as big of a cultural norm. Uh, like it's not like in in like East Asian cultures. Oh, what kind of happens is like you don't. It's it's kind of in the vein of how you wouldn't talk about how you're starting to see someone. You just kind of show up in the house with a, <laughs> like a, a significant other one day, shocking your family. But <laughs> a lot of it is through like uns, 
stated, like un- unstated, like understanding. So I guess that's part of why I don't really want to bring it up with my family. That and just like the like cultural barriers and uh, not being able to translate what like non-binary is. But <laughs> oh, yeah, interesting. Is it a language issue or is that just a, it's a I mean, it's a difficult concept to express generally. I guess for me, it's both. Uh, my Chinese is passable, <laughs> but like it feels kind of like throwing an uh, like an elementary school kid into like queer studies. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Like I can talk about like transness, but if I were to say I don't identify as a guy, that would be kind of like saying nothing. So I might as well not. Interesting. I'm still figuring this out. <laughs> so, yeah. Still doing that trans questioning. To that end, I'm curious what your attitude towards uh, HRT is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard. <laughs> the feeling's <laughs> difficult. Um, I actually tried it briefly while I was in college. Uh, that, that was also around the time when I started to like know a few trans friends or people like figuring out that they were trans at the same time. Yeah. And a few of them had also started HRT at the time. And I was kind of going through a thing. So um, <laughs> I was like, fuck it. Might as well just first swear on your podcast. Go, go for it. Go <laughs> yes. for it. And see how far that would take me like, because I was yeah. so like on the fence about doing it, but I, I was like feeling so bad about myself that I did try it. Like, at such like at like half of a low dose so like an eighth of a regular dose which essentially basically does nothing but maybe maybe I feel like I'm doing something and that would actually alleviated a lot of my anxieties about taking HRT because it wasn't really as scary as I thought it was going to be and it made me feel more comfortable in I guess at least even like coming out to myself and like yeah acting different if, if gender is a performance, then maybe like taking hormones is part of the performance. <laughs> I, I certainly, uh, that, that has been some of my experience for sure. I've, I've gotten bolder <laughs> since I started taking hormones. <laughs> That's good. Uh, although it's, it's also getting to the point where uh, there's, it, it's harder to pretend, uh, uh, to, to hide myself. Yeah. <sighs> It's 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 scary. Mm-hmm. But I actually ended up stopped taking it because it, my my insurance actually it covered the hormones, but it didn't cover the um, the blood tests needed for it. Oh, yeah. No. So I mean that's sort of that kind of stopped like just about two months in. Um, but for future reference, I feel like it's something that I could see myself doing again, and that's kind of comforting to know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. I mean, that's, that's kind of how these things go though. You just sort of fall into these weird situations where unexpected things just seem to happen. So you talked about internalized misogyny and this, this feeling like you felt like your discomfort was more about that than it was gender issues. I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel about that today? Where do you feel like that came from, if it came from anywhere generally? Mm. 
Good question. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a big question. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I. It's it's pretty hard to separate from my own feelings of quote unquote gender dysphoria. Uh, like, and I, I know like it's a pretty common argument that people have against trans people, specifically trans masculine right. ones, which is like. It was just internalized misogyny. I was a tomboy. <laughs> you get over it. Uh, and like, maybe you do. But I know that almost like every cis woman I've talked to about this <laughs> has had sort of an experience of feeling like women aren't as valued or like their bodies are like, it's like almost like an aberration to the norm or right. like are like objects rather than beings so it was hard i i actually still think i struggle with it a a little bit but i've stopped essentially hating women for just being women uh (laughs) that that was like pretty much what it came to i was like oh i don't i don't like that i was like oh i don't like that women don't look like men and then if they were like say butch i was like oh i don't like that they still that they're butch or whatever it was just like yeah. anything anything because like a woman was doing it and it wasn't until like i started thinking oh maybe it's because i'm projecting too much of myself onto just like any person who identified <laughs> as a woman it was like oh i was like oh wait i i stopped feeling like it was like whatever say women did reflected upon me and like I actually do like the concept of womanhood a lot more now. Like, and there's a part of me that's kind of sad because I want to celebrate that feeling. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the point where I like felt a little freer was when I realized that for for a long time I thought, okay, if gender doesn't matter, then then I'm a woman. Like, go ahead, I, I can like do whatever I want. I can like. Um, like however I want like I could get like HRT and like top surgery and still be considered a woman which you can be yeah but like it's actually more that because gender doesn't matter I don't have to identify as a woman and that's helped to like free myself of that feeling yeah I felt very like I was very like kind of feminist um (laughs) as a kid though I was like oh how can I like prove that <laughs> like this this angst this is this angst is just what being a woman is <laughs> but of course yeah but no i think there is a lot more happiness that can be tied into like the definition of what being a woman is it doesn't have to yeah. just be a uh, <laughs> burden <laughs> right well that's my whole thing about my sort of catch-all gender queer self identification. Mm-hmm. I feel weird leaning far to one side or the other and sort of the other terms that I use trans woman and she, she her pronouns. Mm-hmm. I should have asked you your pronouns. Oh, I meant to I, do that at the start. Uh uh usually they them, but okay. sometimes people use he and it feels wrong but fun. <laughs> that makes, that makes Interesting. Yeah, but uh I'm like in, in personality, I like to identify as a little bi-gender or a little gender fluid. So gotcha. I like the plurality of they, them, which I know like it's singular. God damn, it's singular. Uh. Uh, um, 
it, it's kind of fun. I kind of like it's kind of poetic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I all, all of those things for me are more ease of communication mm-hmm. in a general sense where it's yeah. easier for other people to understand. For me, I'm not wholesale disavowing masculinity and mm-hmm. neither am I like embracing fem- like traditional femininity. I want to find sort of my own place in the middle of all of that and I feel like that's a more it's a more healthy human experience for me personally, you know. Yeah. One day we will all be non-binary. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's but, the goal. <laughs> yeah. So, in a different direction, how did you get into animation? So, both of my parents, although they don't really do art much now, are pretty artistically inclined, and as are my two sisters. Uh, just as a kid, I've always been doodling, drawing, just drawing on my homework and getting yelled at by my teachers. <laughs> uh, I thought they wouldn't need it anymore, but I, I was just kind of like, my hands were kind of just antsy and I just liked drawing and I liked watching cartoons and all that. But I, and I actually took some extracurricular art classes while I was in late middle school to high school. But it wasn't, that wasn't really, um, animation per se it was more just it was like yeah uh, like oh conceptual art or painting and things like that um but i (laughs) pretty much like i found out that like i kind of just really like gesture drawing (laughs) (laughs) um which is uh, like pretty cornerstone to the to like what animation looks for like expressive quick economical i don't really like to spend too much time on one thing so that lends itself well to like animation, acting, and storyboarding. Uh, not as much for things like visual development. Do you mind if I ask yeah. uh, uh, specifically what do you mean by gesture drawing? So gesture drawing is when you do figure drawing, but you only have like, say, a minute or less to do it. Gotcha. Just like okay, those yes. quick strokes. Um, right. Yeah. So catching motion yeah. uh, and the impression of, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, if you're very impatient, <laughs> it <Sure>. helps. <laughs> And I like that animation is pretty just approachable uh, to accessible to anyone. Like most, well, like it's like a lot of people <laughs> grew up watching cartoons. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know I would go into it until I actually met a friend at a summer art program who told me that they were interested in attending CalArts and I was like what is that so I kind of applied <laughs> without really knowing what it is and got in oh and, wow that's uh, amazing and I didn't know I had this like cultural clout until I was there I was like oh no what did I sign up for <laughs> but <laughs> but I kind of fell in love with animation as I was studying it okay mm-hmm. wow so did you go from there to your internship at Pixar or was that simultaneous uh, it was right after I graduated okay mm-hmm. Uh, how did you wind up there? I, I I saw that internships are open. I applied, assuming like I didn't I didn't even attach a cover letter. I was like, oh I'm not gonna gosh. get this. And then they called back, or they they wrote back. And they're like, I, I think I was actually a pretty late, like one of the last to be notified of acceptance. When I found out, I was actually I was kind of actually a little devastated because what? really, yeah, because I was like really depressed at the time so oh. i was thinking oh no they really should have gotten someone who would have 
tired. <laughs> but uh, like someone who can make the most of this, not like someone like me. But oh, no. uh, but I no, I it, it's it's basically kind of like cartoon summer camp, <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot while I was there, and it was it definitely helped me like come out of myself because I was kind of in a bad place emotionally at the time. And it was the first time I was out as Callan for the first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing. What kind of stuff did you do there? Uh, so the internship was for story interns, which is what I was. Um, it's a weekly and biweekly assignment based off, uh, tell a story with these words you pulled out of a hat or, um, or like what my last one is, which is like tell a personal experience that you had, you've had in your life and you would have mentors that would help you throughout the, like the three months that would like give you direction and give you critique. And at the end of each, you would pitch it to like this, who, whoever was interested in hearing from the story team at Pixar. Wow. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very lucky person. I yeah. That. Well, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Well, I've I've looked at uh, a lot of the stuff that you've posted publicly, and mm-hmm. it is uh, very good. You shared that the uh, the storyboard just before we started recording mm-hmm. that I really do think is very very good. And I was I was going to ask you if that came from personal experience that storyboard portfolio, and I guess you could describe it if you if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the portfolio itself is mainly just like based off class assignments from school or just like uh, just fictional stories I came up with or like pre-existing script but that one which uh, I titled Cat Call um, okay. was the last assignment that I had done for Pixar and it, it was about actually a time when I was already just like summer vacation while I was already in college. So <laughs> it makes everybody feel better. I'm like totally an adult and everything when that happens. <laughs> but I, I look, but I look, I look, I've always like looked younger than I really am. So sure. that kind of plays a part into it. Basically what the story is, is that there was uh, one summer day when I went karaoke with uh, pretty much like a group of male acquaintances. Uh, and it was around the start of when I tried to like dress more quote unquote masculine, uh, binding my chest, uh, like kind of yeah. like, kind of like almost like a s- stereotypical kind of way, like, <laughs> oh, baseball cap. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I, as the character, hang out with a group of friends. Uh, I use the I am a poor boy and nobody loves me line while karaokeing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody because I like to be heavy handed. Uh, <laughs> and like basically the first half just ends on a, like, a really positive note. But yeah. on my way back uh, home, I in real life and like cat call for the first time. And it's really striking to me because not only is this the first time it's happening to me, it's when I'm deliberately dressed or presenting as relatively masculine. Right. Yeah. And I think 
it's that that really stuck with me because um, not only do I like have no experience of this or like even being in a relationship with anyone, it's um, it it scares me that like this presentation would still which like is actually sometimes like people read as male or like like younger than I really am I, I I just simply could not like fathom what the how how like how what 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 I was like <laughs> um <laughs> appearing to the cat collar and yeah. like I like I know he saw me as a girl but um but still, it's it. If everybody, anyone who gets catcalled, kind of feels like it's their fault. And I like, I, and I just like, I thought all that night, what did I do wrong? Like, and I, it's, it's like an illogical question. You didn't do anything wrong. Of but course. It still kind of feels like it's on you. I don't know why. Um, just kind of like feeling nasty. Um, yeah. So I go back home and I like change out of. Uh, the clothes I was wearing that day and like put on a dress and just like try to like erase that off of me. And so it it plays out a little differently in real life than it does in the boards, which is that in real life, I actually kind of just like wore a dress the whole next day, like being like really sad and all that. But the ending unfortunately is like more, it's spiritually true, but not literally true that like I, Get a message from a friend saying like, "Oh, like to like, oh, I'd like to see you again and all that." And so like, yeah. there's so things to look forward to and like things to try again. It's not like truly a traumatic experience, but it kind of stuck with me. Well, I I, I don't know. I, I imagine that that, <laughs> that 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 has that can't be something that you just shake off. Yeah, I mean, I was I was shaken. I don't like think about it every day. <laughs> it was like something that. And it kind of bothered me with regards to how confident I should feel or how like much I thought, like even knowing that I didn't pass how much like I could feel comfortable in my own skin. Right. And I guess in general, like <laughs> what cat calling feels like, I actually, if I ever do this story again, I want it to be a little less menacing because I feel like it's almost the the message I want to get across is kind of diluted by by the drama of it, but uh, it, when I pitched it at Pixar, it was mostly read as a like a typical uh, like cat calling story, just like oh like how okay. awful like like woman shouldn't walk uh, the streets at night or something I don't know, but um, uh, yeah. but if you <laughs> but with a the queer eye um you can (laughs) you can like definitely do the uh trans reading of it if you would like well i feel like (laughs) the the i mean the trans reading is kind of right there on the surface because (laughs) i was surprised people didn't catch it (laughs) that's such a what a a weird because it starts with you going through the closet and that there's the obvious like just dressing up like that (laughs) And then after after the cat call, like going home, f- putting on the dress, like f- collapsing, with, <laughs> like that's not subtle. I know. I, was, I think it just like I feel like 
an audience who wasn't like thinking of it as being a trans story would just be like, or just like a, like a cis minded one would be like, sure. huh? Yeah. They're like, you can tell something's happening, but sure. Okay. Rough yeah. day. <laughs> oh, you, you want to be, you want to be like a tomboy yeah. and it's that, or that, that, yeah, yeah. No, uh, even that I'll take, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like, but yeah. Uh, that's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. But hey, it's out there in the world now. So if yeah. you want to, if if you want to check out my work, or if you're an employer who doesn't know better and looks at it, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So how? Okay, I'm assume I to my I, I would assume that CalArts and the, the Pixar studio would be in California. Yes. I'm I'm curious how you got to California to New York and where that is in relation to <laughs> wherever your parents live. I guess. Um, yeah, I'm New York born and raised. Okay. I took a plane to California. That's kind of uh, that's a, pretty much the gist of it. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, like um, I've definitely had the privilege of financially being able to study an art school like so far away from home. And that's yeah. not something I take for granted, but it is definitely a privilege I have in doing so. Um, I've moved back since, but I I do see myself moving back to California in the future, or at least I want to. So did you move back because you got a contract at Augenblick or? Oh, did it... no, I moved back because I didn't have like a place to live. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then uh, I played the unemployment game for pretty much a whole year. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. And Augenblick was the first like, like in studio job I got afterwards. So okay. that's been fun. Uh, yeah. So how did you find out about that? And what kind of stuff do you do there? Uh, it's a lot less exciting. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I just emailed, like, I applied for job openings, and Augen Blake, I kind of just directly emailed saying, oh, I'm so-and-so, here is my portfolio, I'm just wondering if you're looking for someone. And luckily, they were just starting production on the show The Jellies, and right. I the, I was hired as a anima- animation assistant from august to the end of this past december uh which is actually not that uh like creative of a job so i pretty much just uh fill in fill in the drawings between what the elite animator has already done and it's mostly pencil work or even because it's a flash symbol based show like a lot of right. almost copy and pasting less like sure. I, I haven't like drawn a stroke at all at work <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's more it's very like clicky okay. um and i'm actually going to be back there again to work for just for two weeks uh on another project just a commercial which okay. i don't know anything about <laughs> but sure yeah so what are some of your favorite, like, I guess start with just like cartoons, what stuff that you really like just generally? I know it's a gigantic question. <laughs> Spider-Verse. I've watched Spider-Verse three times. Uh, three times? Oh, <laughs> but gosh. I only, but I only paid twice, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to be that person, but... 
Steven Universe has I'm that been... I'm that person too. I was literally <laughs> like watching a lot of my favorite episodes last night. Oh, like, it's so comforting. It is, yeah. Yeah, I like can't imagine what it would have been like to to grow up with a right? show like that. Uh, yeah. I think about that a lot. Like, yeah. Kids are so lucky to have that, I mm-hmm. feel like. Um, yeah, I definitely love, like, there could still be more, but, like, this explosion of, like, like queer and feminine content coming out of cartoons now. Definitely. Yes. Uh, like, She-Ra, the end yeah. of Korra, <laughs> yeah. like, Adventure Time. Like, that's all been really lovely stuff. Do you draw comics in your spare time or what do you do? You, is that something you want to do uh, or would want to do? I don't know. Pretty much I think about doing comics in my mind and then just never do. Them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel that. <laughs> like, um, I, in my heart, I really do want to do comics but i'm pretty bad at like getting myself to sit down and just do it a lot of it's because i feel like oh i should be working on portfolio stuff so like more boards things that aren't as maybe (laughs) personal and intimate to show employers (laughs) right um and like well once i feel like i have really a stable foot in the industry then i don't have to worry so much about the work i make specifically to get a job and just make comics to I guess satisfy like my own artistic desires um but definitely uh comics have been like I think a really important part of the queer media that's been coming out now including like like western but also like manga are there any titles that you like that are uh on your mind recently or creators specifically yeah i before before calling i actually wrote up a list oh nice <laughs> but um most recently i think the thing that really connect i connected with is kabi nagata's uh my lesbian experience with loneliness oh it's so good it's so good i relate to that so much and then like the follow-up the uh the first volume of solo exchange diary i i still need to like, pick that up oh uh, yeah it's i haven't read it yet. i kind of like it more actually oh wow yeah but i think oh. it might have just like better suited me at the time okay yeah but like it deals a lot with how she struggles with like coming to terms with herself like uh not like like holding herself back in a lot of ways like feeling very like obligated to stay with her parents and still not never having like really lived her own life never having really had relationships without knowing why and i there's a lot of that i relate to and honestly reading it feels like chicken soup like very sad (laughs) chicken soup (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's this list you've got. I could like, okay, so you might want to cut this out, but I could like copy and paste the list to the chat, which you can uh, look at and see if there's any that really strike you. Sure, that works for me. Yeah. A lot of people 
uh, I've seen talk about Wandering Sun. Mm-hmm. Have you read or watched Wandering Sun? <sighs> no. Well, okay. I've watched the first <laughs> few episodes of the anime. Mm-hmm. I need to watch more. I'm very bad about about these oh, things. Oh, that's fine. I mean, actually, I'm fake. I actually haven't watched any of that Wandering Sun, but I read it. Oh but it seems like the anime is, a little, is successful in areas that the manga isn't. And it's pretty. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was actually a very, like, recently there was um, a video essay on Wandering Sun. Uh, by Pedantic Romantic? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, I, I watched that. I've actually seen, there's a number of really good video essays about Wandering Sun. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what you uh, uh, identified within that. Well, I mean, just like, it's the most well-known trans, like, centered manga story, I would guess. It's like, and pretty easy to like find in bookstores now. Even. Yeah. Um, and I like that there is a perspective on so many different like tra- trans feminine characters like both like the kids and there's like more more of a mentor character that's in it um but i get there's something a phenomenon that happens in it with regarding like the more with the uh, female side of birth characters that i find is pretty interesting which is that the sister of the protagonist who is trans feminine uh she feels antagonistic towards her in a way that I would read as jealousy. And uh, I find that like is a surprisingly well like described relationship to like how I think cis woman trans folks might feel towards trans woman, Ah, which is like, it's kind of because again, womanhood feels so like, fragile like it's it's more like yeah. self-defense but like directed at definitely the wrong person i see yeah and then there's also the more trans masculine character sure who spoilers uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> manga uh ends up kind of dropping that label oh really yeah so um at the start, I'm, I'll, I'll use they pronouns for them. They seem to be pretty insistent about being a boy, like just continuously throughout. Uh, but I, what, how I read it is that in the end, they kind of end up just being more of just an androgynous uh, girl and, and like pursuing like modeling and things like that. And while I don't think that's, necessarily inauthentic because they're they are the only i guess trans masculine character in the story it kind of falls into a pattern where like i see trans masculinity is insincere and is just like a tomboy face Mm. yeah 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 it's not the only one. It's not the only thing that does that, but I think it's a little unfortunate that yeah, it happens in Wandering Sun. Yeah, why not have a second character who does that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is 
One of the things that I've run into that I am trying to figure out how to deal with is that uh, just by virtue of the nature of the transition, like uh, uh, trans femininity is more visible and kind of more dramatic Mm-hmm. in a in a in an optical sense and yeah. from a from a writing perspective it's it's a much more subtle it seems to me uh, experience to write about from the trans masculine perspective mm-hmm. um and it's it's something that i can imagine is very easy to get wrong and it's easy to get trans feminine experiences wrong but mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of writers potentially even transgender writers feel like because they 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 know people or they're they are themselves trans that they have a grasp enough on the experience like oh yeah this is what i see but they don't there's so many different shades mm-hmm. to all of all of these different layers of experiences of gender that it's so easy to fall into those kinds of traps mm-hmm. um i don't know uh, looking at your list, I feel for first off, I'm kind of floored. There's so much stuff here that I haven't <laughs> haven't read, uh, and I feel kind of basic in that the things that I'm like curious about is um, Undertale, as, as somebody who's a huge fan of Undertale, and then uh, uh, your take on Shinji and Evangelion. <laughs> I, a lot of them were just me putting things down that <laughs> I have thoughts about, but. So maybe like feelings about, but no concrete thoughts. <laughs> that's that's um, that's fine. I I mean that's my YouTube show. That's basically <laughs> all that I do is yeah. is navigate that stuff. Mm-hmm. Your livelihood is just old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically being uncertain. Um, well, I I mean Undertale I think is just like a fun celebration of just diversity. Um, yeah, and Frisk being like. A character just like that simply goes by they them pronouns or like doesn't have to be seen in any particular way uh, is pretty great. Lots of fun gay characters. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Delta Rune. Delta Rune's good. I just put Shinji in there because I found him really relatable. Like, okay. uh, Evangelion is several cans of worms. It's on Netflix now. It's. <laughs> Oh, has it come out? Yeah, it's, or okay. like, if not now, then soon. Um, I was thinking, yeah. I was about, I was actually thinking of doing like um, a hate watch of it. <laughs> oh, with with friends. But oh. yeah. <laughs> are you so? Are you not a fan of Evangelion? I would, I would like it less if I didn't hate it. I don't know. It's very complicated. Oh. Uh, this is something that is impossible to get into. In the <laughs> Yeah, Evangelion discourse. Everybody has very strong <laughs> feelings about it. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't touch that. <laughs> okay, uh, but, can, but he is, I am curious. Yeah, why? Why do you identify with Shinji? Uh, I guess because he, he's like kind of he has like definitely an audience insert, and what I like is that he never really feels the need to be macho, or he doesn't like. He doesn't really show disdain for things that are feminine. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's like the uh, the dance choreography <laughs> episode <laughs> that's just wonderful. But yeah. um, and the fact that he is also a queer character 
given like Hamaru and with yeah. <laughs> the episode that needed more money. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, he does some questionable things. <laughs> so I can't wholeheartedly like yeah. for him. But yeah. 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 Any any conversation about Evangelion is always like, like okay, but which which parts are we talking about? Because yeah. there's there's the show, there's end of Evangelion, mm-hmm. there's the 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 rebirth movies, there's, there's the merch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's the fandom, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the manga's adaptation is also wildly different in specific ways. Yeah. Like it's I, I've seen parts of the manga, but not all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one like it's just. Nobody knows how to get it. <laughs> Just no one knows how to finish it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually one of the videos that is on the back burner that I have is uh, oh, I didn't even realize I put it on my whiteboard. Uh, I guess it's less on the back burner than I realized. <laughs> uh, is a reading of uh, Shinji as transgender. Mm, yeah. um, watching it with a friend. Uh, we sort of joked like, oh, Shinji's so trans because there was a moment we watched the 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 rebirth films. Uh, there was a moment that's like, oh, Shinji's trans. That's so funny, like kind of jokingly. And then as we went on, we're like, no, but actually he's it's there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot in the text to support that reading. Actually, I, I have to ask in a trans masculine reading or trans feminine. Uh, trans feminine from my just because that's sort of what I am am not, there there are specific things that i read into it uh uh that that i identified yeah. with my experience as trans feminine person generally mm-hmm. um, yeah. that that's what i assumed uh like but i mostly just asking for clarity cuz like you just never sure. know um yeah. i i typically am a little defensive about head canons about like 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 uh, characters being trans uh in a way that's like not not aligned with the way they are depicted on the show like so like if it's a female character it's like cool to think of her as trans feminine but i actually see quite a bit of trans feminine shinji head cannons including on like trans twitter trans feminine people like writing about it and i find that pretty fascinating uh I would love to hear other people's takes on it <laughs> rather than my own. But <laughs> I'm curious why you wrote uh, uh, Naoto Shirogane from Persona 4. Um, okay. I also wrote Once I Have Not. Yes. My, my yeah. Um, I see this is Persona 4 is interesting because they're, they're a character, great, for, like gay discourse and trans discourse. But I haven't actually played Persona 4. It's just like what I've gotten from Osmosis. But it seems like Naoto presents as... Um, it basically has a trans-masculine uh, narrative until the very end when it, the, the game sort of does a... You can learn to love yourself. You're fine now. So it's sure. similar to my Wandering Sun point. But I think it's more interesting to question why they would have that be the arc. Like, gender reassignment surgery is literally like Naoto's demon in the in the game. Oh gosh! Yeah, it's weird, right? Uh, I hope no one fact checks me because I 
<laughs> Please don't come at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna get a call out. Yeah, I've I've destroyed Evangelion and Persona Four. <laughs> I I've I've played some of Persona. I played like the first fifteen hours, I think, um, and I've always wanted to finish it, but I was borrowing somebody's Vita, and I can't do that anymore. Uh, and I, I guess like, I had to look up who Nato is, and I guess I must have stopped right before they showed up, which is a mm, shame. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they're a little bit of a later character, it seems. Yeah. We are both people who haven't really played for Son of Four. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spend the next like 30 minutes talking about it. Why not? Speculating <laughs> on what Persona 4 might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's this decade-old game. <laughs> Yeah, I I still can't believe that there's no good way to play that game right now. Oh, is there not? Oh, I guess yeah, because gold it was, it was on Vita. Yeah, it was a PS2 mm-hmm. game, and the only like the 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 yeah golden, which is the remastered version with all the extra stuff, is only on the Vita. Mm-hmm. You would you would think that they would with especially with Persona Five getting so much love, you would mm-hmm. think of the queer comic artist slash writers that you wrote down. Uh, the only one that I know offhand is Julia Kay mm-hmm. does Up and Out. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know the ones I listed that well as much. But, oh. uh, uh, yeah, but I was just like thinking of like, like uh, I've, so Julia Kay is probably the best known for of like trans, like autobio comics, I guess. Um, I have her book on my shelf right now. It's so wonderful. (laughs) um, Oh yeah, I forgot that came out. Yeah. Super late bloomer. Yes. But just like uh, some of them, like Lila Sturgis, Molly Osterag, uh, Chad Sell, they, I actually don't know their work that well, but I was at the FlameCon panel that they were at where they discussed like uh, create, how to create queer comics and queer content for all ages, which I thought was really interesting because yeah. obviously a lot of it can be so much about sexuality and coming to terms with right. that or really dark stuff. But yeah, uh, but I like one of the points I liked was how they said that a lot of queer artists and writers, queer creators, like to focus on stories about like adolescence or high school or just being a teenage uh, because that it's just, it's to create an idealized version of adolescence that they never really had because they were right. now or because they didn't know themselves. And that was something that was really striking to me and I find really relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I've been sort of in the back of my head working on a script slash story i never know exactly how i want to do these things because uh uh there's i kind of want to work in every medium and it's like which one is the most practical it's probably just fiction because then i don't have to worry about other people have you tried animation i think (laughs) (laughs) i could probably pick that up in an afternoon i do actually i've always wanted to to work in comics i love comics so much Mm -hmm. but i used to draw all the time and like a lot of things that I liked as a kid, it, it I, for one reason or another, it, it sort of fell away from me. But anyway, this this uh, story that I've been working on is sort of like a horror narrative about being trans, and it sort of naturally became like a high school story. Mm-hmm. And partially, it involves uh, uh, finding a community and sort of 
a group of people who are accepting and sharing your experience. And I do think that that's a, a an interesting commonality in terms of like trans produced stories is the yeah. desire to recreate something that, that they feel like didn't get the opportunity to exist. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty bittersweet kind of, yeah. kind of Yeah. What's well, the, the idea of the, the second puberty kind of like re getting to live the, the life that you missed yeah. early on. And you know, I'm in the middle of that and it's <laughs> frustrating and weird. My, <laughs> Uh, one of my roommates had to move out a little while ago and she took her cats and I was very sad because I like cats a lot. Uh, 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 grown to like those cats quite a bit. And that night I thought I was fine. And then I sobbed for like a solid 30 minutes in bed. And the whole time I was just thinking like, why is this making me so sad? And it was like the most over the top, like, on the ground, just like <laughs> sort of sobbing that I've ever mm-hmm. done in my life. Oh. Uh, and it's like, I couldn't have done this before starting HRT. It's bizarre. It's so, it's so little things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like you, I guess you would attribute that to both like your own emotional well being, but also like the health effects of hormones and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely, it's definitely both hormones help me uh, within within a few weeks of starting mm-hmm. hormones I, I i immediately felt this like i don't know release of some amount of tension where i felt like i could feel and process emotions in a more healthy way mm-hmm. and a lot of the time since then has been working through a lot of that nonsense and uh, like the years of backed up emotion, like the video that I made in uh-huh. transition, mm-hmm. um, a, a number of the comments on there have been like, well, I hope you're okay. And sort of <laughs> yeah. like offering advice. Uh, and the thing is that I, I couldn't have made that video if I was still in the middle of all of that. It's more yeah. of like processing those emotions uh, from a perspective of having like not being there anymore. Yeah. Um, so it, it has it has helped me quite a bit. I recommend it. <laughs> what, <It's>, like, hormones. <laughs> yeah, everyone should hormones just take in general. hormones. Yeah, hor- <laughs> hey kid, you yeah. want some hormones? Yeah, that's that's the that's my favorite street drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't actually like I, from perusing forums. Uh, I I can I see like a lot of. Uh, people who want to take testosterone be a little like hesitant about taking tea because like they don't know what that would really do to, for their emotions, like, like stoicism or anger, right. but, or like, I don't know, libido. <laughs> it's kind of gross, but like, sure. well, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's one of those things where I wish, or I hope that, a trans masculine person at some point will step up and do something along the lines that I'm trying to do here and, and sort of talk about that, mm-hmm. I guess, publicly. And, and cause that's, that's something that, that I would say is maybe a misconception because I've read testimonials from 
trans trans masculine people on Twitter who say that uh, when they started HRT, it wasn't like they got overly angry and sort of like toxically masculine, (laughs) a similar sort of thing where they were able to process their emotions in a more healthy way. Yeah. uh, Which is another one of those like interesting commonalities in experience where there it's, it's, it's bizarre. The whole, the whole damn thing is so bizarre. Yeah. When, When you, when you start comparing notes like that, like, why is this a thing? I just don't, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's pretty fascinating like i don't think like when they take testosterone and then like you, you stop asking for directions and you like slam monster <laughs> energy drinks <laughs> right yeah but actually like contrary to like possibly popular belief is like not like i think hrt kind of helps everyone who, who needs it uh yes uh like be in better touch with like their sense of self and their emotions. So like maybe maybe you aren't like maybe it doesn't cause you to cry every day, but you like are able to access emotions that you've like repressed for so long. So yeah, so, well, it seems healthier either way. It is, yeah. yeah. And it's being trans, being closeted trans, it's is sort of fundamentally like an experience of disassociation. Mm-hmm. You're sort of watching yourself from the third person. So it makes sense that mm-hmm. regardless of your your gender orientation, it's sort of centering yourself through through hormones. Um we've we've gone on for a while. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I, wow. Yeah. Um I, I want to ask, so you're, uh, you're about to be finished at Augenblick mm-hmm. and you say you want to eventually move back to California. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff do you want to do? What's your goal? Uh, I mean, this, I, th- I think this might be because of Pixar, but I want to, I think I want to work in like feature storyboarding at least yeah. someday, like maybe not immediately, but I would want to do the things that would take me there. But I, for like my own personal fulfillment, I would love to do my own comics, maybe like more short films again. I think that'd be really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> as far as jobs go, um, <laughs> I'm actually waiting to hear back from like, um, from a studio in LA this week. Um, oh, yeah. So if I get that, hey, uh, maybe maybe by the end of the month I'll be in California. But if not, like, I would probably just keep like looking for work on the East Coast, and uh, Augen like might renew my contract, so that would be cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I this is a separate question. What? Where is the uh, like animation hub in terms of production? Like, is it? is when when it comes to film it's like la is the big place mm-hmm. to go i don't know what if if that's the same with animation oh yeah like television animation is also largely centered in la um the second biggest city for it in the us would probably be new york but it's quite like it's a lot smaller already yeah. uh there's a few like TV animation studios, uh, like Augenblick or Titmouse, which is better known, yeah. a little bit bigger. Um, and Blue Sky Studios for feature is also on the East Coast. So, okay. yeah. So like 
ice age and all that <laughs> yeah oh gosh yeah but it's it's more limited in scope for sure yeah okay i wish it were better spread out but you know that's how it is <laughs> well that's i mean it's the same way with with film lately yeah. there have been more like regional film markets start to open up but i imagine with animation that's not as easy a thing to just sort of happen mm-hmm. There is like more animation if you just like if you consider like commercial work or things in games and things like that, then it's sure. a bit more expansive. But for the yeah. most part. Is there anything that you want to say in particular? <laughs> like my 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 final message to trans yeah. kind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I don't I guess do you do you have <laughs> do you have advice for people who are perhaps in a similar position to you where they uh are not necessarily out to 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 everyone not necessarily transitioning yet mm-hmm. yeah that's something I think about a lot, which is like I very much do want to like take that step in my life, and it's easy to think that. Um, that like time is slipping away <laughs> kind of, kind of sounds like that email I sent you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how far I've grown. Um, <laughs> um, but like for me, um, knowing that there are steps that I can take and also like, because I'm literally an adult that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess knowing that there is a solution or even as a kid, knowing that, like, say, hormones are a thing that you could do. Like, that helps with the angst a lot. But I'm really lucky in that I have a pretty good network of friends, like those I've collected from college and all that. And as, and also, like, even, even high school friends that ended up being trans. Weird how that happens, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> That's a, that yeah. seems to be, like, a common experience. Like, oh. All of my friends ended up being trans, like because yeah. uh, <laughs> you know we just gravitated towards with each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Like even though they're long distance or like oh, seldom to come by, it's it's good that I have these people to talk to. Absolutely. Yeah, and like, and I guess like the other thing is that like my dysphoria. It has to be acknowledged isn't as bad as a lot of other people's in similar situations. So like, while I do feel it, it, I mean, I, yeah, there are things that can help with it, but, um, it's not as dire for me. Uh, and if that is something that's more of a concern, then I think you just have to make, take appropriate measures. Uh, I've gone to a lot of support groups. Support groups are good good to like meet people (laughs) it's a good space to ask uh what do i do but i'm also in new york city and it's pretty easy for me to it's relatively easy for me to do yeah well where can people find (laughs) you on on this internet Mm -hmm. most of my stuff can pretty much be found at just my at is kalen chi k-a-l-l-e-n-c-h-i my the name I go by uh on Twitter on Instagram and 
kind of like just yeah. typing it in Google. I think I'll find it. There is some, I haven't done so much lately, but eh, if you're curious, yeah. um, I'm also on Tumblr, but I think that died. So, right? <laughs> yeah, what happened? Like, t- t- <laughs> Tumblr's still around. They're just sort of they've they they killed adult content and now everybody's fled yeah, actually they- <laughs> i actually saw looked, looked at your your tumblr and a bunch of your stuff is like this this got flagged as adult content and was yeah. is now made made invisible oh great yeah oh yeah. i didn't know that i haven't been checking but like yeah <laughs> definitely very safe for work things have been flagged i sort of get the life drawings i can i'll give you that yeah. maybe it's naked yeah, but but, but like a drawing of my mom at the DMV, maybe. <laughs> God, it's so funny. It's it pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Ugh. Yeah. You'll also, like, probably come across my just, like, straight-up birth legal name. I don't consider it my dead name because I still, like, use it for, use it for like, paperwork and family and friends and all that. But, hey, if you find it, you find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I... Uh, do you mind if I ask how you feel about that? Mm, about 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 your birth name? Like, do you feel? Because I had this attitude for a while that uh, I don't I don't really care. I don't have any negative feelings towards my my old name, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my horror, I recently discovered that I actually used that name in early episodes of the podcast, and I had to go mm. back and like edit that out and. Yeah. The files um but i've since changed my attitude where now it sort of makes me uncomfortable i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i feel like if i weren't as well i mean again like as much as i'm performing gender i'm also performing like my my like the two different names i sort of like two different personas so i don't mind if i'm living as if i'm like saying going by my birth name if i'm essentially fulfilling the role that of it like say like with my family who don't know better or <laughs> even like friends who knew me earlier like don't really know about haven't like been caught up um but i feel like it would be less comfortable as time goes on like it's less it's even less comfortable now uh I, but yeah. I, but it's taken a while to also get more comfortable with cal and my chosen name it's yeah. like it actually took like a few years uh, and, the, and I had like an existential crisis switching over <laughs> even like bit by bit because like, Oh no, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I can't, if I don't even have a name, if I can't even like call myself that, then anything is possible and nothing means anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah. But I, <sighs> but like once you start attaching like experiences to it, then yeah. I think it starts to like, realize itself so yeah it it takes a while i'm still getting used to that myself it takes a while yeah <laughs> sure it's yeah yeah it's weird catching yourself like dead naming yourself at times you're like hey stop that yeah it's like almost sort of recently like i start to think of myself as Callan, but that wasn't always the case yeah well that's good i'm glad that that's changing mm-hmm. um well i feel like this has gone on long enough um (laughs) thank you so much for talking to me uh this i really enjoyed this conversation yeah it was super nice to like but i actually get to talk to you (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, this was a good conversation. I had so much fun talking to Callan. I'm so glad that I reached out to them. This was something that I've actually been thinking about a lot for whatever reason. Like I said, their email really stuck with me. If you're curious, the episode where I answered Callan's email is the November 5th, 2018 episode. It is titled, This is Just an Advice Show Now, slash, What If I'm Not Trans and Other Reader Questions. Once more, you can find Callan on Twitter at... Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N-Chi, C-H-I. And you can find links to their portfolio in their Twitter profile. And then, as always, there are links in the description. If you like this show and want to support me making more, why not give me a couple bucks over at patreon.com L-T-A-S. And if you have questions, thoughts, comments, etc., send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send an anonymous question over at curiouscat.me trans questioning. Thank you as always for listening and I will see you again in the future.